the same. The Big Fit. Let's play the game. The Big Fit. We're still on fire, busting liars. But now, the Big Fib. From Olympia, Washington, it's a bonus episode of The Big Fib. This week, another thrilling edition of our game, Wacky Khakis. And now, your host, and a woman who runs a children's game show podcast of her own. Very impressive, by the way. You're going to have to tell me more about that. Uh, it's this one. This is the podcast. Deborah Goldstein. Thank you very much. And let's have a hand for our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for Live in Studio Audience. So, Deborah, game show for kids, eh? That sounds so exciting. Tell us all about how you got into that. Lisa, why are you reading off note cards? You know me. (laughs) Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, my producers tell me you have a pretty amusing story about an incident at a pie-eating competition when you were in junior high school. Tell us about it. What? No, I don't. I I don't have such a story. (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, you stay away from all my pies now, you hear? Okay. Lisa, what are you trying to do here? Is this like a late night talk show kind of thing that you're putting on? Well, I guess that's why they call it Humble Pie. (laughs) All right, folks, don't touch that remote. We'll be back right after a word from our sponsors. And we're in commercial in three, two... Lisa, we've talked about this. You can't just do another show in the middle of our show. We're supposed to be playing Wacky Khakis, remember? Fine, be that way. But good luck getting booked on my show ever again. I'll take my chances. Now, Lisa, if you wouldn't mind getting back to our show, do you think you could tell everybody how our game works? Oh, you'd love that, wouldn't you? Yes, I would. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sure thing, then. Every time we play Wacky Khakis, Deborah and I tell one crazy story about the world. But only one of those stories is actually true. And it's the job of two human children to help us figure out who's who. And joining us now to explain this week's theme is a young man who actually produces a game show for kids about lying. (laughs) That sounds hilarious, by the way. We're going to have to hear more about that later. Lisa, stop talking like that. Fine, fine. It's our producer, Noah. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Deborah. So good to be here. Your talk show sounds great, Lisa. I'd love to be a guest on it sometime. Okay, cool. I'll have my people call your people. Well, uh, I sort of am your people because, you know, I'm your producer. All right. Sounds good. We'll call yourself then. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll do. So our theme this week on Wacky Khakis is Olympic spirit. 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo have sadly been postponed until next year. But today we'll be carrying the torch with two stories of athletic adventure and misadventure at the Olympics. Now, Lisa, would you mind introducing our human child competitors? You got it, baby. Today's human child contestants are Avi, who you may remember from our episode about bread, and Avi's sister, Noah, who you may remember if you've already listened to this episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Big Fib. Hi. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Excited. <laughs> I'm excited, too, okay? <laughs> Me, too. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. excited except for Noah. Ha, ha, ha. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> Wait, which Noah? Which Noah? <laughs> oh, the unexcited Noah. <laughs> right, we've got two Noahs in this episode. How, how are we going to resolve that? 
boy Noah and no Noah and, and girl and Noah. Girl Noah. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> okay, okay. I like Boy Noah. It sounds like you're an action hero. And now our Boy Noah. <laughs> That's good. That's very good. So, uh, Avi, Noah, tell me, do you guys like the Olympics? Do you watch it uh, when it comes on every two years? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not a big sports person, but yeah, neither am I. I remember we learned about. I remember in fifth grade, I learned about it in school. So, I mean, that's. I guess. Yeah. So you, you guys don't have any sports that you like? That well, you I know. I mean, unless dancing is a sport. Well, there's ice dancing at the Winter Olympics. I mean, oh, yeah. I guess, but I'm not good at um, ice skating. Ice skating. <laughs> I would probably like swim the most. I like 400 meter pretzel eating. <laughs> That's not a thing. Oh, it is. I do it every night before bed. You run in a line for 400 meters and you eat pretzels? No, you have to eat a 400 meter long pretzel. <laughs> That's rather wacky. It's time to play Wacky Khakis. Our most loyal listeners will know beyond any shadow of a doubt that in Wacky Khakis, Deborah and Lisa each have a minute and change to tell their stories before the timer sounds. To determine who goes first, we ran a quick 100-meter dash. Deborah finished in just under 16 seconds. Very respectable time, Deborah. Thank you. Uh, Lisa, you're still working on it. Oh, I'm almost there. I'm good. I'm good. Up the mountain, Rocky style. Oh my gosh, Deborah, you can go first. That, that's good. Go, go ahead, Deborah. It's okay. You can go first. Oh my gosh. Oh, Grandpa, <laughs> oh I see you, Grandpa. Oh no, deep breaths, Lisa. Deep breaths. <laughs> okay, Deborah, it's time to tell the world your story. You ready? Let the games begin. Okay, we will begin the timer now. The most famous symbol of the Olympics is the Olympic flame, a fire carried on a torch every four years from Olympia, Greece, to wherever the host city is in a given year. The fire, which stays lit through the entire journey, represents the connection between the ancient Olympics in Greece and the modern games of today. Its journey can be thousands of miles long, and the torch has been carried by runners, rowers, horseback riders, and has even been taken into space as recently as 2013. But not everyone is gaga over the Olympic flame. Before the 1956 Games in Melbourne, Australia, a college student named Barry Larkin and his friends protested the flame tradition because of its origins in German fascism. He and his friends sought to make a mockery of the Olympic torch, and in this they succeeded beyond their wildest expectations. The torch was scheduled to pass through the city of Sydney, Australia, where the Lord Mayor, Pat Hills, would make a speech upon its arrival. So, Larkin and his friends made a fake Olympic torch out of a wooden chair leg, a plum pudding can, and a flaming pair of underpants. <laughs> a friend of Larkin's, dressed as an official torchbearer, carried the fake torch through the city center before the real flame had arrived. Many in the crowd noticed this was a prank when the underwear fell out of the torch and the panicked prankster fled the scene. But Larkin jumped in, collected the fake torch, and presented it to the Lord Mayor Hills at City Hall, who accepted the flaming underwear and made his speech. <laughs> the Lord Mayor did not realize that the torch was a fake until after his speech was over, and an advisor whispered into his ear, that's not the torch. 
By this time, the actual relay runner had arrived with the real flame and Larkin had snuck away, disappearing into the crowd. Nicely done, Deborah. Thank you. A photo finish. <laughs> so, Avi, Noah, tell me, what did you guys think of, of Deborah's story? Um, I mean, it's hardly believable, but... <laughs> yeah, totally doubtful. I think that um I mean, the possible. I think that is possible but the I don't know why they would use underwear <laughs> as like the fuel for the torch so that's the one part that I'm guess like that I'm guessing on uh-huh. and yeah. the fascism thing like I don't understand why a flaming torch would be a signal of fascism well the Germans like um that was their idea it was it it started in German fascism so oh, they okay. were, pro- so, yeah, they were protesting where that idea came from, the torch. Right. So, I mean, I think that the really, the biggest part, the biggest thing, red flag for me is the underpants. Right. Yeah. Underpants. Same. Right. Yeah. yeah. Un- underpants would make a good red flag. Okay. So it's time for Lisa's tale of Olympic feats of weirdness. Lisa, you good to go? Just don't make me run again. I am a robot of leisure. <laughs> okay. It's a deal. We're going to start your timer now. We all know that what Americans call soccer, the rest of the world calls football. And what Americans call football, the rest of the world calls American football. Two completely different sports with the same name in different countries. All right. At least we all know that now. But during the London Games of 1908, the American Olympic football team did not know that. And due to a miscommunication over telegram, They arrived in London shocked to discover that the football tournament they had worked so hard to prepare for was actually a soccer tournament. Nobody on the team knew how to play. With only two days to go before the first matches, the U.S. coach, Frank Amity, paid a group of local British teenagers to teach the players everything they knew about soccer. It did not go well. (laughs) For some linebackers, instinct kicked in and they could not be kept from tackling their opponents when defending the goal. (laughs) Furthermore, at least one of the teenagers turned out to be a spy from the British soccer team and intentionally taught the American players false information about soccer. For instance, that you can touch the ball with your hands as long as it's during the last minute of play. (laughs) The Americans knew they would be trounced and Coach Amity fled the city in shame on the night of the opening ceremonies. He was found several months later hiking the Scottish Highlands. The U.S. football team played three games before being eliminated, losing 12-0 to Spain, 16-0 to France, and 13-1 to their British hosts. Oh, at least that's one. They scored their first and only goal in the last minute of that game <laughs> with star quarterback Polly Punchline Green throwing the ball into the opposing net with his hands. <laughs> Even though the referees and probably Green himself knew this to be against the rules, they allowed the single goal to be counted out of pity for the Americans. <laughs> and time. Well, that was a great story, Lisa. Not nice a story, job. that's a fact. <laughs> okay, so uh, Noah, Avi, uh, what did you guys think of that one? Um, um, at this point, I feel like um, Deborah's is a lot more believable. Yeah, I think that everybody, I mean, it's kind of a... a People make fun of it sometimes that it's called football in all the other countries except for America. So I feel like even American football players would know that. And I I have a feeling that everybody knows some rules of football or soccer. Everybody knows some rules of soccer, like that you can't use your hands. You can use your hands within the last minute of the game. (laughs) Everybody knows that. I think Deborah is definitely, Deborah's story is um, 
the right one. Yeah. The, the true one. So just to be clear, you're not picking my story because it seems totally dubious? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fine. And also because of my delivery. It just sounds really honest. <laughs> yeah. I should have done the whole thing in a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks. Well, I guess we're about to find out. Will the truth teller from today's episode of Wacky Khakis please reveal who you are? I am the truth teller. What? Ah, nice job, guys. You got it right. You did. Congratulations. That is right. Deborah had the true story of Barry Larkin, the Aussie prankster who lit a fake Olympic flame. Larkin would go on to become a renowned veterinary surgeon in Melbourne, and the fake torch fell into the possession of one of the real Olympic torch relay runners who kept it under his bed for several decades before throwing it away. <laughs> As for the American football team, yes, you guys are absolutely right about that. We Americans did not send the wrong kind of football team to the 1908 Olympics. <laughs> I think Lisa, um, Lisa's story sounded a little bit more silly, and that's yeah. why that's why I thought that Deborah sillier than flaming underpants. I mean, yeah, but the, the also the name of the um, the linebacker, I think Polly Green, also didn't sound real. You're you're talking about the quarterback. The quarterback, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you. I can't believe Polly Punchline Green gave it away. <laughs> Listen, guys, all this Olympics talk has given me a second wind. You know what? I'm going to finish that 100-meter dash. Good for you, Lisa. Shall I reset your timer? Uh, you mean now? Yeah, what's keeping you? Nah, I'll postpone. I mean, the real Olympics aren't even happening until next year. I'll take the rest of the year to train, get my body into tip-top shape, clean out my ogle ports, eat right, exercise, you know. Lisa, you're, you're eating a Twinkie right now. <laughs> Runners need cubs. <laughs> okay, well, that is all the time we have for this week. Thanks so much to our contestants, Avi and Noah, who both deserve gold medals in lie spotting, and to Noah and Lisa for their always sportsmanlike conduct, and to you, the listener, for tuning in to The Big Fib, where we root for the truth and disqualify lies. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media. For more great shows, visit gzmshows.com. While you're there, you can send questions for me to read on Ask Lisa and find out how you can participate. And follow us on social media at The Big Fib Podcast for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. Now I'm going to eat this pretzel. <laughs> oh, my God, he's doing it. 375 meters, 350 meters. I don't believe what I'm seeing. Oh, oh. <laughs>